Hey everyone, this is Dr. Fields. Just want to apologize first off. I'm a little bit under the weather with, I think, some kind of head cold. So I apologize for my voice, but I didn't want to leave you guys hanging without any good content today. So I kind of pushed myself to get in front of the computer and record this. I've worked with so many people with very varying types of addictions. You know, anything from drug use to alcohol use, sexual addictions, compulsive gambling, compulsive online gaming, you name it. Um, and eating disorders and other kinds of compulsions like hair pulling, trichotillomania, and skin picking, all sorts of compulsive, addictive types of behaviors. And I can tell you that the one lesson that all of my patients tell me was the most important was helping them learn how to increase their awareness. Awareness is prerequisite for everything. If you are not fully and completely aware of your behavior, you really are going to have a hard time changing it. Okay. For many, many years, and unfortunately, it still persists to this day, there is this stereotype of people with addictions as being liars, deceitful, dishonest. You can come up with any synonym you want, um, or, or being in denial. Okay. And I have a real hard time with that. Because the reason why people with addiction lie or are dishonest so much, especially to therapists and even to loved ones and everyone else, but, you know, loved ones, you can kind of think, you know, like, okay, that makes sense, right? They're ashamed of their behavior um, or they don't want their loved ones to worry about them or there's many reasons, right, to hide the behavior. But therapists, many therapists, have held this stereotype for a long time because many of these people have lied to their therapist. And so they've gotten this really bad label that they're liars. And the bottom line is the reason why people with addiction lie to their therapists is because therapists are not providing them a safe enough space. They're not establishing good enough trust so that their patients feel open and feel like they can disclose the full extent of their addiction. They feel like they're gonna be judged and oftentimes they are. They feel like they're gonna be preached to or lectured to and many times they are. They feel like the therapist is gonna be disappointed with them and many times they are. That is such an awful way of approaching people with an addiction. It's, let me, let me kind of just highlight just how bad this is. Could you imagine if you were suffering from really bad depression and you went into your therapist's office and your therapist was saying to you, um, so how's the depression been lately? And you were like, mm, not bad, pretty good actually. Um, I feel great. Uh, therapist is saying like, oh, have you been out socializing more? Have you stopped withdrawing from people? Yes, yes, I've been doing that. What about those hobbies that you like to do? Did you get back into that? Yes, yes, I have been. 
And then all of a sudden, like a few sessions late, later, you tell the therapist, you know what, I gotta be honest with you, there hasn't really been much improvement in my depression at all. I still feel really, really badly about myself and my life. And I've even had some suicidal thoughts. And then your therapist says, you know, this is never gonna work if you're not completely open and honest with me. So I'm sorry, but I'm going to just have to let you go. I can only work with people who are gonna be open and honest with me. And if you're not willing to do that, I can't work with you. That's a shocking situation, right? But somehow it's become not so shocking or normalized with addiction. It's amazing to me. Shame on those therapists. We have responsibility for making a safe place and a trusting environment, setting up a trusting environment for our patients or clients or anyone we work with so that they don't feel like they have to lie or deceive us, so that they feel like they can be completely open and honest, so that they feel like we are on their team and we totally understand that it's really hard to work on this behavior and that there are gonna be times where they just give into it because it's an issue that has to be addressed at the root, okay? All right, so I'll get off my soapbox for a second, but I really had to get that out of my system. So aside from that, in terms of this idea of them being in denial, right? I will buy that people with an addiction are in a denial a lot of times in a Freudian sense. Like in other words, um, there are these unconscious urges or thoughts or beliefs that drive the behavior that they're not so aware of and that they need to eventually uncover that, yes. But in terms of denial in the sense that they, they pretty much know, but they're just denying it to people, like you know, in the intentional sense, not unless they don't feel safe or they don't feel like they can trust the person or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, sure, there are times where people with an addiction lie because they feel badly about their behavior or are ashamed. My premise though, is that it's not to the extent that people think it's not like, you know, they're just born liars and like it's part of the symptomatology, right? It's like, oh, if you're a person with an addiction, then you have to be a liar. No, that's not the case. But if you are a person with an addiction, there is a very high likelihood that you're not so aware of your behavior in terms of what's driving it. And in terms of when you're even doing it, sometimes it becomes so automatized and reflexive, you might not even be aware that you're doing it for the first 10 minutes or so, especially if it's like a real compulsive behavior, or you might make a plan to say, I'm not gonna do this. And then all of a sudden you're at the bar drinking or you're on your phone placing a bet and you're like, holy crap, I just blew my plan. That 
is definitely the case a lot of times that people lack awareness or about the extent of their behavior. You know, sometimes people might say like, oh yeah, like I had a few beers the other night, but they didn't realize they had a lot more than a few beers or they get the, the bill back from the, the bookie and they say like, holy crap, I didn't realize I gambled that much. Like those things can definitely happen. But the most likely is that you're not aware of where this is coming from and what's driving it and the triggers and everything else. So every time I do a video, I always try to leave people with some actionable step, right? If I'm gonna give you some kind of lesson, I want there to be a real takeaway where you can do something. Like, all right, I just listened to this guy for 20 minutes or so. What can I do with this information? Whatever addictive or compulsive behavior you're struggling with, whatever it is, what I want you to do, and this is a therapeutic exercise that I give many of my patients, what I want you to do is for one week, I want you to record the behavior. We all have these smartphones with these great nifty little apps, which are like these notepads. I think a popular one is called ColorPad where you can just input information. You can write lists, you can journalize things, you can do all sorts of things, right? Um, so what I want you to do is start a journal and for one week, record your behavior. Record every time you do this addictive or compulsive behavior and record to the degree. So if it's drinking, how many beers did you drink? Every time you have a, a beer, record it. Or every time you have a drink, record it, right? If it's cocaine, every time you do a bump or a line, record it. Um, if it's a sexual addiction, every time you masturbate to online pornography, record it, right? Anything, gambling, every time you place a bet, record it and record how much. Try to record as much information as you can. And what's really important to get the most out of this exercise is record what you're feeling. And don't confuse thoughts with feelings. Feelings are anger, sadness, depression, anxiety, frustration, being overwhelmed, euphoria, happiness, right? Whatever relief, whatever the emotion is, record that too while you're doing this behavior. And what I find to be more difficult, try to record what you are thinking. And again, don't confuse thoughts with feelings. What are you thinking? What's going on in your mind? What are you actually saying to yourself? Are you saying this is a tough day? Uh, are you feeling uh, that there's no one around to hang out with? Are you feeling that you, know, you might get into trouble at work because of some you know, snafu that you did, whatever you're thinking about, um, a test that you took that you don't think you did well on, record your thoughts too, okay? Or thinking that I don't know what to do with myself right now, okay? Record that too. And do this for one week. And this exercise is designed to increase your awareness. You cannot gain any control over this behavior unless you're aware of it. Most likely you've been acting at least on some level like an automaton. You've been acting out of unconscious drives and urges or pre-conscious drives and urges. 
you know, there, there's not a full level of aware, awareness there in terms of the degree, the extent of the behavior, and even the frequency. Um, and certainly, certainly at the very least, there's a lack of awareness of what is driving this behavior, what's going on with you internally, emotionally, in terms of mentally what you're thinking, and just in terms of the setting and any associations that might be related to this. Do this exercise for one week. I think you get a ton of information from this exercise. And I will have more to say on this at a later time in terms of what to do with this information and how to kind of dig to really get to the root of this. This is Dr. Fields. I will talk to you soon. And I hope next time when I talk to you, I will be feeling better. Take care.